Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich Armis, episode 147. Hey, Richards, so happy you're here with me today, starting a new Monday. Nicolas Ababen, my guest today, said in his best advice that it is not to listen to that little voice in your head saying, Oh, I know it's gonna work. Or, of course, there is a market for that. The question that comes up very often here on Facebook groups, in emails, on the comments on our site, is how to start, how to start my entrepreneurship once I decided, how to start to build your social media presence, how to start to engage with customers, how to find the right customers, or how to brand your business. So I thought, how can I help? And I prepared for you the how to start free cheat sheet or the seven initial essentials for entrepreneurs to start their business. You can find it on the richormiss.com website, either at the homepage or in the show notes of this interview. And whatever question you have about how to start starting or anything else, just drop me an email. Hayut, H-A-Y-U-T, at reachormiss.com or leave a comment on our website. I'll be happy to come back to you with an answer. Let's hear who is our guest today. Nicolas Baben, a French citizen, has over 30 years' experience in high-tech industry. He has worked and lived for over 20 years in the U.S., Europe, and Japan. He is a pioneer in AI, artificial intelligence, and robotics, having served over 15 years at the helm of Sony Europe. He was managing director of Sony Entertainment's Robots Europe and head of communications of Sony Europe. He then was managing director of several companies in the US, UK, Germany, and France. Nicholas created and developed over 21 companies in his career so far. He has sat and sits on many boards as a non-executive and executive member. Let's hear my interview with Nicolas Beben. Nicolas Beben, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Hello. I waited for this conversation. I'm so happy you are here today. And there are so many things I would like to talk with you about. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited as well. So it's great. That is great. And you're located in France, isn't it? Located in southwest of France in Bordeaux, the town of Wine. Oh, <laughs> my son-in-law is already in love with Bordeaux <laughs> and the wine, of course. Yes. I just shared with our listeners what you've done until now. And I would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today and where are you heading? Okay, so today the project that would take about 80% of my time, I would say, is a company that I started three years ago with a, a, an associate and good friend of mine, Benoit, 
and the two of us have started a company in diabetes management. Oh. The company's name is Mirambo App Care. So Mirambo is Benoit's name because Benoit invented the product, mm. app for application and care, obviously, for health app. And this company manages uh, diabetes, especially the insulin level, uh, insulin dosage that people need to inject themselves based on doctor's protocol and based on glycemia level, food intake, and uh, workout activity. Does this relevant for both diabetics, type 1 and 2, or only the ones that get it in, in older age? No, all types actually. Type 1, type 2, also for pregnant ladies. Wow. Uh, because you also have that type of diabetes sure. for older people. So all type of diabetes, because we will manage glycemia, we'll manage food, and we'll manage uh, workout activity. If on top of it, you need to inject yourself with insulin, then it will calculate the exact level of insulin that people would need. Wow. And how, how did you come to that idea? You will tell me about all the things you've done before in a minute, but I've seen that you are Huawei's presenter, so it's... It's a bit far away, isn't it? It's a bit, there is a distance between these two worlds. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I would say the, the common denominator between the two is uh, artificial intelligence. Sure. I've been involved in AI since 1996 when I wow. head up the uh, Sony robotic division. Uh, the product was called Aibo for artificial intelligent robot. It was a small dog <laughs> that we sold from 1999 until 2005 and relaunched last year. But I was in charge of European Robotic Division, um, so I've, I've been a pioneer in, in AI. Wow. And uh, the story with Mirambo AppCare is the fact that Benoit's mother has been ill with diabetes for 30 years. Oh. And in uh, 2015, she had another episode of a, of a bad coma. Wow. She had about 34 problems per month. <gasps> Uh, and uh, once it was really, really serious, so Benoit got scared, and uh, he said, don't worry, Mom, it's Friday. By Monday, I, will f I would have found a, a, an app for you, and uh, he looked for it all over the weekend and spent all his time on the Internet, everywhere, could not find an app that would manage the exact level of insulin uh, that uh, his mother needed. That was the cause of her uh, whole bed situation? The, basically, she had a very serious uh, accident and uh, surgery, 30 years before, and uh, the complication of the surgery was the fact that she got diabetes. Wow. Did you both knew each other before? No. So basically, Benoit, realized, when he realized that um, there was no application, he, his passion is about uh, coding. So he said, I'm going to make you one. So he worked about over 800 hours hmm. and managed to get this app, which is based on doctor's protocol and can take in consideration, as I mentioned before, glycemia, food, and, and workout. And um, so after that, he started to, to test it and, and showed it to doctors and everybody was amazing. It doesn't exist today. So hmm. Benoit had never created a company. When I started, this company was my 16th. Uh, oh, so wow. we had the same accountant. So he came to his accountant. I didn't know him. He came to his accountant and said, look, I have this product. Everybody's telling me it's, it's, it's fantastic. I need to start a company, uh, but I don't know how to. And the accountant said, well, hang on. <laughs> We know, we know someone who's done that before. So they put us in contact. We became friends instantly. It's a, we have a very great relationship. Wow, that's and, great. Uh, I helped him to set up the company. And uh, he's the CEO of the company. I'm in charge of uh, everything but uh, development. So I'm in charge of marketing, sales, international development, and all this. He's in charge of all. Uh, he's a, like a, a CTO pretty much, but he's a CEO, but he's in charge of the product. Okay. And that's how we started the business then. 
We won the CES uh, Innovation Award in 2018. Wow. Last year, we won the uh, Arab Health Innovation Award uh, in Dubai. It's just we're the only company that has this type of product based on AI and machine learning. Machine learning is part of AI, but it's uh, basically the product after three months becomes so personalized that it's really made for the patient. Is it already in use? It's in use already in Europe because we're certified because it's a uh, Yeah, we had to have uh, this uh, very specific uh, class 2B certification as a medical device. So that took us about two years to get this certification. And so now it's available in Europe uh, and will be very soon in, in at least in uh, Israel, Lebanon, Dubai and all this. Yeah. Uh, because we had to wait. We had to wait for the certification. So now sure. you can go to the um, uh, Apple store, uh, Android store web app uh, in Europe, it's available, and we are launching in US by the summer. Uh, we're, we're still waiting for the FDA approval. Wow. <laughs> FDA but, is, is a big thing, isn't it? It is a big thing, but, uh, but you know, it, US is a big market for us because diabetes, diabetes sure. is, a, is a big disease. So, yep. And um, uh-huh. what is the business model of the company? Yep. Yeah, very good question. So business, we have several business models. Um, we have a B2B business model where we sell the app to hospitals and health professionals. So these people, they pay 10 euros per month. Uh, it's a, so the business model really is a subscription based. So on the B2B side, it's 10 euros per month, and then they can either offer it. Uh, in France, they offer it uh, to patients when, okay. when the patient goes to the hospital. Uh, in other countries, they charge it to, to patients. Okay. Um, then we have uh, a B2C Uh, business where people, uh, they, if they want to pay for it, because in France, on top of it, as you know, social security is pretty strong, so uh, they, they can get it uh, paid by social security or really? by private insurance. Wow. Yeah, we're, we're working with social security. Private insurance is it's a done deal already. So they, uh, the B2C model is 25 euros per month. So you don't go through a doctor, you just manage your own application. Um, and uh, you get reimbursed by private insurance, at least in France right now, so 80% of your cost is, is, uh, is paid by private insurance. So basically, if But you decide it's a, to... But it's a reimbursed by the, by the um, government? Not yet. We're, Not we've yet. started the process, but it takes about three years. Yeah, I know that from another product that uh, we're trying yeah. to, uh, yeah. uh, to get in. But private insurances have taken that in consideration. So uh, today, it's, uh, it's, uh, so if you pay 25 uh, euros, you get reimbursed about 18 euros by private insurance. So at the end of the day, it's about 7 euros per month that you have to pay out of pocket until it's reimbursed by, by Social Security. And how do you market that? I mean, of course, people can find it in the app stores, but how yeah. do they hear about that? So right now we're working mainly the B2B route because for us, we're getting less margin, but more volume because um, when a hospital decides to use uh, Life is the name of our product, people don't even need to go to hospital. They can do it remotely because it's, a, it's an app. Wow. Uh, so the doctors have access to their files and everything. And so they save about, we, we, we calculated with hospitals, they save per patient per month about 10,000 euros. Wow. Uh, the hospital will save money because beds are not used anymore. Crazy. So we're going the B2B route and we've sold many, uh, too many hospitals in France right now. We're, we have about 10 hospitals, a big university hospitals that, uh, that are started to use the product. Hmm. So yeah. when, we, when we start the B2C uh, business, It, it is started, it's available, but we haven't pushed it yet. 
And uh, when we start, we're going to do like uh, all, all companies do with SEO campaigns, hmm. with AdWord campaigns, with Facebook campaigns. And we're also working with uh, diabetes associations, uh, patient associations, where we uh, promote the product. Uh, we also do like uh, Tupperware, you know, this, this type of things <laughs> from the 60s. Yeah, really? Yes. The model of Tupperware, one is selling that for others? Exactly, exactly. And wow. We use, we use nurses for that. Ah, okay. Uh, so nurses, basically, they have their own network and everything, and they, they, they show the product to diabetes patients at home, things like that. They invite their friends because in general, people who have diabetes, they don't share that because it's, it is a real problem in the sense that you cannot go to a restaurant because you don't know if you're going to have a, a problem, hypoglycemia or hyperglycemia. Um, but you tend to relate more with people with other people that have the same disease as you and that's why we're targeting is the fact that we will be able to get patients that um, will be able to talk about it and word of mouth is is really uh, how we're going to be marketing that product it sounds terrific and it sounds like you know at the end of the day and i've been working for the last 12 years with hundreds of entrepreneurs i made the switch from the big leading brands to entrepreneurs 12 years ago and at the end of the day What I really find is that the best products are those that really came out of a personal need. The mm-hmm. product usually really answers the need. Exactly. They see somebody in front of their eyes, mm-hmm. themselves or yep, their mother. Yep, I agree with you. I want to hear a bit about how you started and a bit about the 16 companies that you already established. <laughs> However, before that, I have one question. Did you call AI in 1996? Did you call it AI back then? Yes, absolutely. As well, really? Yeah, because actually the name came from 1956 in Dartmouth, in a big, big uh, US uh, university. Was, the term was coined at the big conference, and they started to mention artificial intelligence in 1956. So it, it's not a new term. And in, when we started Ibo Business, uh, so Sony started in 1993, I joined 1996. We were already talking about IBO, which AI stands for artificial intelligence. So yes, we, it's, a, it's a term that we've been using for a long time. Hmm. Nicholas, tell us a bit. How did you start? <laughs> what is this romance you have with startups? What, what is the story here? You know, if once somebody look at your LinkedIn, there are 10 <laughs> companies that until present. <laughs> so you're doing so many things and you started so many things. Well, tell me a bit about that. Okay, I, I'm very lucky. I'm a passionate guy and I've really enjoyed my, my life so far. I've had, uh, I've worked 20 years outside of, of France and uh, worked five years in the US, met my wife who's American in San Francisco hmm. and then moved to London. To start, uh, it, it was uh, at the time we didn't talk about startups, but it was a company that was specialized in risk management. Um, and I started the European operation in London. Then from London, we moved to Brussels. From Brussels, we moved to Tokyo. From Tokyo, we moved to Berlin. Wow. So we've, we really, well, Sony being a Japanese company moved me quite regularly. And I went up and up each time I moved. And so my last job at Sony, I was in charge of all communication for Europe. And before that, I was in charge of robotics for Europe. So I was very lucky to have, uh, well, Sony's experience because Sony is a fantastic company with products that was just so innovating at the time. It was just, just, just unreal. So, but the thing is, what I really enjoyed all the time is, and uh, that's why the robotic division was perfect for me is because I enjoyed working with the entrepreneur mind mm. uh, 
within a large company, which meant that I had the finances, so I didn't need to, to look for money all the time and fundraising, but at least I could help people. So I, I've done quite a lot of projects in AI, mm -hmm. uh, even in early 2000 and everything. And uh, I was able to explain how to talk to investors because even though my investors were Sony, yeah. I had to go to board meeting. I had to explain about the business plan. I had to have the right lingo for even though it was Sony and it was within Sony, sure. these people were my investors. Sure. So, and I've really enjoyed always uh, working with um, younger people who I thought could always replace me. Uh, so at least it would keep hmm. me, you know, my toes and make sure that at least I would <laughs> learn from these people. And my, my passion is about learning. And so it was really interesting to use my know-how and uh, the fact that markets recognized me because I was one of the first pioneer in terms of AI and everything. So using my name, using my experience for younger people who wanted to start companies. So I've been doing that quite a lot. That's why I have a lot of experience today and, and on, on my LinkedIn, especially when it says to present, because <laughs> I'm helping yeah. a lot of younger entrepreneurs. For example, there was this big company here in, near Bordeaux called Maxi Coffee, okay. uh, which started its business in 2008. And there were two guys who had this great idea about making coffee and selling uh, coffee machines online. And uh, yeah. it's very niche. And they wanted to start around Bordeaux and everything. But the problem is investors were saying, yeah, you're, thank you very much, but who are you, basically? <laughs> and so they approached me and they said, look, uh, if we give you shares, <laughs> would you be on our board? And I said, yeah, that's a great idea that uh, I really enjoy what you, what you do. And I said, absolutely. And so what I would do is I would have a board meeting pretty much every month. And we grew the business from zero to two years ago, the company was sold for, for over 40 million euros. And the, the revenue is uh, closer to 50 today. It's a very large company. You can check it. It sells in Israel, everywhere in the world, MaxiCoffee.com. <laughs> MaxiCoffee? MaxiCoffee.com, yeah. And that's pretty much what I do is I, I help, you know, when investors see two young kids coming uh, with small experience, sure. they, they have doubts, which, you know, I, I would too. <laughs> uh, but then <laughs> sure. when they see somebody who's uh, much older and uh, has over 30 years experience and on top of it, some successes, some failures, of course, and I'm, I'm pretty pleased to say that mm -hmm. I, I have failed around seven companies out of my 21 today. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and frankly... Uh, if I were to tell you today, look, I've only had successes, then I would have missed a big part of my of my life because sure. thanks to my failures, I've learned what works and what doesn't work. Right. Uh, I love it so much. And uh, I'll ask you about failures in a okay. minute. You've been an entrepreneur and some unique ways of entrepreneurs because you've been an entrepreneur as part of a big company. Mm -hmm. And then you've been an entrepreneur as part of helping mm -hmm. young entrepreneurs and being at the board, and now you're an entrepreneur by yourself, and you have your own company, and it sounds fantastic. And I want to ask you, what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur that is listening to us right now yep. regarding their customer focus, customer approach? Because, you know, this podcast is all about that. The first reason that entrepreneurs say they fell for is no market need, which means yeah. they didn't know to find the market. And they are failing for not realizing there is a customer out there. Yeah. And you have so many successes. Perhaps uh, some of the failures uh, has to do with customers as well, but you had so many successes. So what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur? Best advice is uh, not to listen to your little voice in your head saying, oh, I know it's going to work. 
<laughs> I, I've heard that so many times, even myself, I've made the same mistake thinking, of course, there's a need for this. You know, your people will, <laughs> would question you and you'll be like, are you dumb? <laughs> like, yeah, there is a need. I know that. Well, that little voice is wrong. So <laughs> the best advice is really uh, to go outside um, and, and check if there's a need, if there's a market. As you mentioned, that's the biggest failure biggest. is you think there's a need, you think there's a market, you go for it and, and it doesn't work. So do not engage on investment without proof that really there is a need, that the business model works, that the business plan is credible. Um, being flexible is another um, meaning pivot quickly, re yeah. realizing that your idea is not going exactly where you thought it would go. Well, don't wait you know, a week to make a decision. Make a decision right there, right now, and just move fast in order to go where the market is going because the market is, again, you know, the base of everything. Um, one very good example, which I give to everyone is kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Probably have heard it before. Not the stupid one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That does for the double S. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I've heard it put in place that so many times because regularly you see, uh, very smart entrepreneurs, but actually too smart for their own good. Hmm. They think of something that, you know, potentially could save the planet and everything, but it's so complicated to explain. It's so complicated. And when you talk to investors, when you talk to uh, potential people who could come and help you, like myself, you have to, to remember that these people have not been involved with this project for a long time. Probably it'll be the first time they hear about it. So unless you keep it very simple mm -hmm. and you explain like two plus two equal four, this will not work. I've seen in, uh, entrepreneurs explained to me some business models that made absolutely no sense. Mm -hmm. I kept asking, you know, can you repeat? Can you explain to me why, why, why? And they will be looking at me like, you know, con condescending, like, where are you from? You know? <laughs> yeah. But so it's all this advice, do not engage in investment, do not listen to your little voice, pivot quickly, make sure there's a market, make sure there's a need. But most importantly to me is really KISS. Keep it simple. Hmm. <laughs> if, I, if I forget the stupid part. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. You know, for me, it's really a pain point because when I joined in the world of entrepreneurs, I thought, well, marketing is such a simple, clear thing once you understand that everything is about your customer and you know how mm -hmm. to ask. And you can't ask, by the way, this is important to say, you can't ask anyone, will you use that? because nobody yep. can answer that. You should find out what they are doing, what are they looking for, who is looking for yep. solution to this problem that you are solving. But it seems like nobody really wanted to learn. Entrepreneurs keep doing the same mistake all the time, 90 to 95% failures. And I don't know, what else can we do? I agree. And that's why, you know, I think young people, what they need to do, and obviously they have the idea and everything. And I don't think anybody would want to steal their idea. It would be stupid anyway, because that's their idea, their research and all this. But they need to get advice around it. Uh, you know, mentor, mentorship uh, is something that has been developed uh, a lot lately. Yeah. Non-executive board members as well. People you pay either with shares or uh, you know, for, for their presence, like once a month, once a quarter or whatever, it doesn't cost much for the company, but it gives credibility and it gives also a different mindset. You know, these people will be able to challenge you and they're outside of your business. And that's why it's important because if you get people who are within your business, uh, they will always um, 
have the same idea sure. as you. And, you know, I always enjoyed when I started a company and as I mentioned, I've, I've developed companies, I've helped companies, but I've started myself many. I've always enjoyed hiring people who actually didn't know the job <laughs> because every, and they, they will be like, always like, yeah, but why would you hire me? I have no experience. Well, that's why I need, <laughs> because if I hire people who've done that before, they're going to give me the same right. ideas that everybody else has. Right. I you agree see? with you so much. It's those who say, no, I need a consultant from this field and from the U.S. because they have done it before. And that's exactly the consultant that will take them to the wrong directions. And, exactly. Uh, so we already know that you succeeded with 14 companies. <laughs> but before that, can you tell us about your biggest, most critical failure with customers? Yep. The one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or almost the most? Yep. It's a company that I started in early 2010 with a very good friend's wife. Um, she was the, she had two thirds of the company, had one third of the company and it was a car sharing app. Yeah. Uh, but we had thought we would be smarter than BlaBlaCar, which is also a French company, but BlaBlaCar is huge. It's one of these companies that has made a, a billion uh, euros already. It's a, really? yeah, it's the unicorn companies. Yeah. Unicorn, exactly company. And we thought we would take a small niche of the market and go for B2B. Okay. So only targeting companies and offer car sharing. So we are in with the company, um, you, you don't have enough parkings, uh, for, for people, you. You want to help the planet, you know, and do things differently. And so we thought that this is what we'd do. Well, uh, again, little voice saying, oh, of course it will work. Look, you know, everybody needs car sharing. Mm -hmm. um, so we developed this product. We spent a lot of money on developing this product. The product was great, mm -hmm. really looked fantastic. We put gamification in it. We uh, top of the range type of product, no bug. We really mm -hmm. invested a lot of money on this product. And then we decided to go to the market once the product was ready. Yeah. Stupid idea. I was, I was busy with other projects on one side and uh, the lady I was associated with had never done that before. And I let her manage a bit more than I, I should have. And, um, and so suddenly we arrive at companies and companies say, well, we don't really need this. You know, if employees want to talk to their neighbors or whatever and find a, hmm. a car that's leaving at the same time as them, whatever, it's their, their problem. We have, we've been managing without that. So basically we realized that there was no market. <laughs> And that took us about took us about a year to a year and a half to develop the product. And then for six months, we visited so many companies. We were just like doing that nonstop to suddenly realize that um, that there was no market, no need, and that you know uh, yes, there was a market with BlaBlaCar. BlaBlaCar had uh, almost uh, you know uh, um, eaten the whole market for oh. us because people would just know about BlaBlaCar because they'd spent so much money. Hmm. And so for us to, to invest more money in marketing was really not possible. So we had to close the company down. We had five employees, developers. And so that was the one that affected me the most because I, again, I listened to my small, I, you know, I listened to the small voice telling me that, yes, there's a market. Yes, it's worth it. Yes, I should put money down. Yes, I should, uh, I should you know, try my best to make it work. And actually at the end of the day, there was no market. Yeah, I think it takes us back to uh, Eric Rice with the Lean Startup, which says, don't overdevelop your product. Oh, absolutely. Yes, exactly. And yeah. I also saw this problem as well. Exactly. You need to have a proof of concept first. Don't spend too much money. Make sure that there's a need, make sure there's a market. And once you have the need and the market, you make the product perfect. But uh, 
we did the other way around. And on top of it, for me, it was my ninth or tenth company at the time. So I knew all about these things. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to go fast. You know, we, we had seen how Babacar made this big success. And uh, that, was, uh, that was really <laughs> the one that hurt the most because I thought, you know, I'm not a young... <laughs> young entrepreneur who's learning i have learned mm -hmm. this and why didn't i do what i'm telling people what to do it was um, but anyway mm -hmm. it's a good experience for me very good experience <laughs> because now i know i'm, I'm never going to do that again <laughs> wow and it also says what i think both of us already know that you are never safe for making mistakes and nope. thanks god for that because otherwise it means like you said that we are not trying and we're not taking enough risks So there I find it over and over. If 15 years ago, it was so clear what you do when you want to approach with a new product and you needed money for TV, but TV knew how to work and everything yep. worked well. Yep. Today, it is so complicated. It works well when you do it the right way. But what is the right way for your type of customers is a big question. And mm -hmm. I love this uh, example. I think it's a great one. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's a great one. And you know, also the courage and the understanding when to close yes. is, is very important. Now, tell us the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something that you did right about approaching your customers. Yeah, so I, I think I'm going to go back to this um, coffee uh, company called Maxi Coffee. It's probably the company that I'm most proud of because we really started from nowhere and is now hmm. a huge company, as I mentioned, very close to 50 million revenue with um, you know, customers coming back all the time, growing each year over 30%, which you rarely see these days. And it's coffee. Everybody's trying to do something with coffee. Yes, it's not easy to succeed there. Exactly. Well, they were really at the beginning of everything. It started 2007, 2008. So now it's been going on for a long time. And um, the customer focus was perfect because we, we started a B2C only business. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we did everything that was right to do on the Internet at the time. With everything was backed by data a lot of intelligent software around that would give us all the information that we needed. Uh, we really tested the market, small at the beginning, just around where we were based, mm. uh, then growing slowly but very smartly from the town where we were based to the region to national uh, and then international, but it took a long time to go all, all the way to international. So it was really, we started to, to do the, the website like a low-cost type of, of, hmm. of website. So people would go there and think, well, you know, it's not well organized, but that's why I get such, such great price. Hmm. And so the approach with customers was really, at the beginning at least, to we didn't mention too much quality. We, we worked a lot on the branding. That was my, uh, my project with them, is to, to make them understand what was really important in the branding, the, the values, the positioning, the mission, the vision. Um, and at the beginning, we thought, you know, the logo would look like quality logo around the coffee mug. Mm -hmm. but the colors would look like quality, but we didn't want the, the website to feel like, you know, customers would pay for quality or for, you know, beautiful website or anything. We, we had something very practical that worked well without any bugs and that would really make the customer experience and the customer journey like second to none. And that was the reason why we were very successful is we really develop it with, um, you know, you have this, this uh, trend where uh, uh, at the beginning you only get the uh, early adopters. Sure. Usually it happens like that. Exactly. Well, what we did, we developed the company following this curve. Okay. 
So at the beginning, it was really mainly for gigs. Yeah. Right. So that was was a bit messy. It was a bit, you know. But at least they would they would get the information where they where they knew they would find the information. And then the more we went along, the more we uh, we positioned the company for people who would come at the same at the at, at that time as well. So it was really the company was developed based on the customer's journey. Fantastic. And I, I guess you didn't really focus on heavy coffee drinkers, isn't it? Not at the beginning, anyhow. Exactly. Exactly. That's a, that's a brilliant thing, I think, because it's obvious that when somebody is bringing something with coffee, they will run quite uh, fast to the coffee drinkers. Oh, who, who is drinking more coffee than them? Yeah. And you did the opposite. You did the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Because, because we wanted to have that niche. We wanted to build a business on loyal people. And, and that's why what's really important on the web today and on all these companies is that you need to have a base. And when you think about it, you know, 1950s, 1930, whenever the, the, uh, the first company started, that's how they got successful is when they had that right. base, customer base of people who were just in love with the brand. And that's why the work with the brand was very important. And for me, as part of Sony. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Of course, the brand is everything. You know, the Sony brand is something that, uh, that's so powerful. And so that's why I wanted to put that into, into the equation. And that, that's, you know, you look at it today, you think, yeah, of course, it makes sense. But why does it make sense? Because it's, it's the history of, of entrepreneurship for that's centuries. It. Right. All that. That's right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Can you recommend a best or most effective technological or digital tool that's related to customer focus, marketing or sales? However, I'm not looking for the last shiniest tool no, no, no. in the endless list, but something that really helps you to succeed, that you really use. Yeah, well, um, I'm going to shock you, but uh, the best tool I've ever found, at least at the beginning of every project I've started, is Excel. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're going to uh, surprise me, but you are not the first one here. Okay. <laughs> not many, not many, though. A lot of people are afraid of Excel. So why Excel? You know technology. I know. Didn't you find something better? No, it's cheap. It's easy. We've all learned Excel when we were younger. Mm-hmm. And you can relate with many, many people coming from different environments uh, with it. Yes, of course, you can go to the Salesforce and they have fantastic tools. They even now... have great tools for startups and you, but I would I always suggest when you don't have any money and you don't have a lot of time to learn because your startup is going to eat up your, your whole life mm-hmm. uh, sure. go for something you know well go for something that everybody else knows go for something that doesn't cost much money I think it's such an important advice because I think a lot of young people today are not bothering either to study Excel or to Start using it after they uh, just finished school or graduated. And it's a pity because yep. it is an excellent tool. Yep. You know, there are many things that affect our success. However, I believe that for each of us, there is one major thing that really helps us to succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? It's human. human <laughs> we cannot re- forget in any way shape or form that company success is based on people and to me what has affected me the most is getting along is sharing vision is sharing values with the right people you see the the company that I failed the most with the example I gave you before is that I realized that uh, the lady I was partner with her only goal was to make money 
<laughs> Never works, huh? Well, you cannot have that as a base. Right. Right. Because it takes a long time. And maybe it will come, maybe it will not come. Maybe you'll need to close the company down. And so when you find out, and, and that's, the, that's the toughest part for an entrepreneur, because you don't know from the beginning when you meet someone and you say, let's talk about it, unless it's a childhood friend, mm -hmm. you will not know that that person will share the same vision as you. Basically, when you're in a really dire strait and it's really tough for you because of financial reasons or the product doesn't work or whatever, this is where you see that having the same values would help because then you're not going to argue with each other. You're not going to have a war. You're not going to send lawyers in. You're, not, you're just going to try to make it work because it's your baby. Right. I think I could tell because you were juggling between Sony, which is a huge company, to young mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, which you could, uh, you know, say, who, who are you? I'm from Sony, but you didn't. And then for yeah. other entrepreneurs, and then you work with a friend that developed the product, so, or with somebody that developed the product, and you are able to give him the space. Yep. I could tell that uh, humanity is a part, and today, as Mark Schaefer said, the most human company wins. So mm -hmm. uh, I believe it's uh, the right thing. The last question, of course, is my mountain question. <laughs> and as my listeners already know, I always imagine this journey of building a brand, taking position in the mind of the customer, building a new product, building the awareness, and then the know, like, and trust, and then the brand. I always imagine it as climbing a mountain, step after step after step. And at some point, I started to ask my guests whether they ever climbed a mountain or wished to climb a mountain. Or, and that's what I'm asking you, do you have any relationships with mountains at all? And I do mean physical mountain, literally a mountain, but it can also be the metaphorical mountain as well. Yes, yes, I have a very strong relationship with mountains in, <laughs> in both sense, the real mountain and also as a spiritual image. I've climbed mountains, small mountains in the Pyrenees between France and, uh, and Spain, and uh, I love these mountains. They're special, special areas for me. My vision, and that's what I always try to teach or explain or, or work with, uh, with uh, people uh, I work with, is that my vision is the top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. I always say that. The top of the mountain, one day you'll reach it, and so it goes to another top of a mountain. You know, the first one you see, you say, one day I'll, I'll go up mm -hmm. there. This is uh, what I like about Was my vision is my North Star. You know, the, the mission, I know uh, I will never reach it, but it will always guide me. The, the vision is the top of the mountain. So that's one link that I have. But one mountain that has always fascinated me is the Kilimanjaro. Oh, it's my mountain. Okay. Just because I wish to go there. <laughs> okay. I wish to go there too. I've never gone there. But why does it fascinate me? It's why? because it's disruptive. And why is it disruptive? Because it's the highest mountain in Africa. You have snow, snow. in a land of desert and heat and, and sand. And this mountain, you know, you need to train, obviously, but it's reachable. Yeah. You have many, many people doing it. You can go there and you have people who are going to guide you. And the view from up there apparently is just superb. I've seen pictures and everything. But that mountain is, and on top of it, I think in terms of... Uh, of spiritual, um, it, it's something special because Africa is where birth of all our uh, origins. All our uh, origins, yeah. Exactly, all of us. You know, we're all brothers and sisters because, because of them. Oh, thanks to them. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so the Kilimanjaro has always fascinated me. That's uh, that's my story. <laughs> I love that because you said it's um, it's reachable. It's here. You can reach it. You can get there, and it's like inviting you as well. So I love yeah. that. And um, just before I say goodbye, what is the best way to connect with you for any of our listeners that would like to be in touch? Okay, you can do it on Twitter. Uh, Nikochan33. Nikochan is my Japanese name, uh, mm. which means smiley, uh, because I always smile and I have no hair, so I look like a smiley. <laughs> <laughs> LinkedIn also you can find me, but I have reached the 30,000 limit. Oh. So it takes me time for me to be able to accept uh, an invitation because I need other people to leave. Oh, okay. I also have a blog and um, the name of my company, which is Babin Business Consulting. But if you don't mind, I have one thing that I want to, to finish with. Sure. It's a sentence that I have in front of my desk and that always, every day, it's my mantra, something that I, I always go back to. Is it says, it's a Japanese one. In Japanese, it means nanakorobi yaoki, which means fall down seven times, stand up eight. And that, to me, is the key mm-hmm. to all success in entrepreneurship. You're going to fall down, of course, but the biggest challenge is not falling down, is getting up again. So fall down seven times, stand up eight. I love that. Wow. And you are 14 to 7, so you <laughs> are a very big success, probably thanks to that. You are willing to fall. Nicholas, it has been a delightful time for me. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> and so interesting. Thank you so much. And really, I enjoyed it so much. I'm sure our listeners will be very happy with this. Uh, Thank you show. very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Reach or Miss Show the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.